Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back again to Greenwashed with Jaspreet and Don. Um, just remember to send in your texts if you want to give us some feedback on 2057 or an email at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We welcome your feedback. Uh, we really enjoy it. No matter what's and all, we take we take the good good and the bad. So our next guest, time to introduce him. And tucked into the sort of northern side or central part of the Hokanui Hills, where there was a few illicit whiskey stills in days of old, we find Logan Evans, farmer, uh, entrepreneur, really, uh, front man for the FU and formerly from Groundswell. But uh, Logan and his wife, Nicole, and family, they live in a stunning part of the country. Beautiful house, great vista. Logan, welcome to uh, Greenwashed. Uh, and, you know, I think we should start at the beginning. Yo, you were brought up in the same area or have you moved there over time and uh, with your families or was that where you were born? Uh, g'day, g'day, Don and Jasper. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, we, we, me and my family, uh, I grew up down um, down by Edendale by the dairy factory. Um, so we were uh, on a sheep and beef farm down there growing up, um, me and obviously mum and dad and my two sisters. So, uh, yeah, we moved up to about 20 k's west of Gore here about about the year 2000. So, um, yeah, we've been lucky enough to be farming here in these hills um, since then. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty, uh, we're pretty fortunate to be farming in this part of the country. It's uh, it's a great place to be, yeah. So you're, you're farming about 20,000, 25,000 stock units, I gather. Is that, yeah, is that what it is? You've obviously yeah. been listening. You've obviously been listening, Don. Yeah, about 20, yeah, no. 20 and a half years. So we're uh, uh, did be. my homework. Did my homework. Uh, Otameda Valley, uh, in fact, is uh, what you your address is, and Mount Peel is the name of um, your farm. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of aspects to your farm. Uh, I've I've been there. Uh, and can see the work you have done to improve it. Uh, what's what's ahead for Mount Peel? What's what's the next step? Oh, probably um, in the current situation that the country's in, a bit of consolidation and um, over the next few years. And yeah, just sort of focus on debt repayment. To be honest, um, yeah, we've still got like development projects. Um, you know, the the ten year plan's got a lot of stuff on it, but um, yeah, just now's not the time for that. Um, yeah, time to just consolidate and yeah, rein her in a bit. To be fair, so, so what I did note uh, doing a bit more of my research is you've done what um, I've sort of talked on this show about uh, the need to have sort of provenance uh, food uh, sales, and I gather you've got Origin South as the brand for your uh, three six five uh, uh, lamb production uh, and and meat meat sales effectively. Yes, yeah, so um, so we did have. Um, we've actually um, we've actually decided to pull that pull that one in. Um, that's part of the part of the consolidation, I suppose. Um, yeah, we were really struggling with that one. Um, it's in New Zealand. The processes have sort of got things reasonably tied up um, to get that processing um, in volume, um, and then yeah, just just the margins after that were very tight. Um, yeah, she was Gosh. costing us money instead of making money. So we've decided to pull that one in. Um, 
the really the only way we could see forward was if we could um you know process ourselves um but when we were trying to do so we were trying to do a unit load every fortnight so 550 lambs every fortnight um and the yeah just the the logistics around getting to that scale was um yeah the issue really uh, interesting because I you know, I was really hoping that was going to be a, a very good news story there because that's what I think uh, a lot more farmers should do and uh, but I do understand and that's a, a good point to make to our listeners that farming is fickle and if you're in a climate that is uh, variable uh, you know from dry to wet to dry you, know, you can't just guarantee you're going to be putting out that unit load a fortnight uh, no. or a week uh, it's not that easy to get everything going like peas in a pod you might say so going back a bit further though um i'd like to talk about uh, a little bit of your career uh, leading up to your being chairman of the southern field days i mean that's a pretty big deal um what what made you sort of work into that job uh come through young farmers i think is that right yeah yeah so just a member of young farmers and then um I think they invited me along to the Southern Field Days Committee because um, we had a couple of reasonable trucks and tractor trailers and stuff for for getting um, getting working bees, uh, getting things happening there. Um, so I got invited on the committee. Jeez, I was I suppose I was probably twenty twenty or twenty two. Um, and yeah, I suppose just made my way up through the ranks slowly. And um, yeah, I I suppose they thought I I had it in me to uh, to have a crack at chairman. So. Yeah, but but really being chairman, I I had a really good secretary. Um, Sharon Patterson was a, a very efficient lady. She um she knows how to get jobs done. Um, and then the whole committee there, they like there's 20, 25 of them, and every one of those people on that committee, um, they they're assigned their their jobs. Um, and they do them. Um, the only time the chairman ever gets really annoyed is um you know when something's not going to plan and. Yeah, yeah, and and I suppose you're really just uh, what do you call it? You're just you're just putting out fires during the event, um, dealing with you know a site that isn't working here or someone's got an issue there, and yeah. But that was actually quite enjoyable once you get your head around it, and um, yeah. But it was yeah. it was also quite refreshing to come home and deal with a mob of sheep um, that don't speak back, and um, yeah, generally if one misbehaves, you can catch it with your dogs and put it where it's meant to be, but. Yeah. Farmers like that, don't they? That uh, that solitude. You know, it's, it, farming is a good, good, good place to find solitude and uh, reflect on things that perhaps aren't going so well. So, I mean, that is a big deal. It's this, it's the second uh, largest field days in the country, I gather. And uh, the things that can go wrong are like strong winds. I recall created havoc one time, and then perhaps wet wet another times, but. I've been there a few times, and I'd have to say uh, it's been commendable the way it's been organised and the this the setting out of the whole um, yeah the lanes and the regime that you walk around. It's all fantastic. So yeah, great to you you at the time and and your successors and your predecessors. Actually, they've done a great job putting up an event for Southland. Another thing that uh, um, this man who goes and finds solitude on his own occasionally does he writes a bit of poetry we're not going to have any tonight i don't think uh because i'll put him on the spot otherwise but another thing he does is and i've seen it on social media he does videos and 
Of course, uh, he he talks to the likes of Minister Parker and others and gives them some real-time photos of animals in the rain. But, yeah, Jasper, you might have another story to tell. I, I do, gentlemen. I, in fact, I remember you, Logan, from the video you did about the naked truth about farming. That was a couple of years ago. I think that, and it was two winters ago that I made the trip to Gore. There was the groundswell meeting. I was at a Croydon Hotel then. And uh, that's when I, I think, first came across you. And when I saw that video, I mean, uh, pun aside, seeing the farm, it was pretty much next door to you, wasn't it? Well over a thousand hectares taken over by a subsidiary of IKEA. Yeah, and I, I saw that video and it had quite, I think it had over 70,000 views or something. Yeah, um, yeah, it had quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It actually wasn't one of Groundswell's best videos, though, which sort of, it was quite hard to swallow, eh? but um, yeah, there was, actually, <laughs> there was actually another video of some muddy water running down a, down the road that um, I videoed and it was running into some clear water that was running off our farm and, and that got over 200,000 views um, i remember that one too you're talking about filtration by a gorse and others yeah yes yeah it's um, it's been a funny old last two years hasn't it if you look back now from doing that that first video to where we are today yeah what tell us a bit about how you've dealt with the last two years gee it was it's it's been a crazy ride and, and i definitely remember um meeting you at that meeting um i was chairing the meeting and we had um the current chair of, well, not the current, the, well, he was current then, the chair of Beef and Lamb at the time, um, you know, Andrew telling Morrison. us, yes, Andrew Morrison, telling us that everything was, um, you know, just going going just fine and, and what was the problem and and there was a lady in the crowd that had a lot of facts and figures and you, you were hitting him with them and, um, yeah, you had my respect straight away. It was, um, it was really good to see and good to see that you weren't going to stand for the bullshit um is the only thing i can only way i can explain it um you know the that we were being told because everyone in that room agreed with you yeah yeah i was i i should say i was i was really surprised to get the support there at that point because one doesn't really go to these places expecting to speak or i was hesitatingly sort of finding my feet at that point but as we've gone down and as time has shown there's certainly a lot of factors beyond the farm gate that are affecting us, headwinds coming our way. What yep. how would you state as the state of as the state of farming today? What has changed? Oh gee, was um it's to me it's probably not what's changed right now. Um but I suppose we those of us who know, we know what's coming. Um, like the national policy statement for Indigenous biodiversity, um, that pretty much encompasses well over eighty percent of our property here, um, and and even the wording of this legis—is it legislation yet? I don't know if you call it legislation, but um, mm. the wording of it—it um, it basically means they can interpret it whichever way they like. Um, you know, when you get down to the words of um, whether native flora or fauna is present or may have ever been present, that's a pretty scary thing to write in legislation because people that's down to interpretation, isn't it? 
It is completely um, down to interpretation. And yet, then we have places like Hazel Dean in the White, uh, was it Hazel Dean Station in the White, the Waitaki Basin, where uh, it is known to be the last uh, homeland of a rarest uh, native fish, the lowland uh, longjaw. And it was planted in pines, and suddenly it doesn't matter. So it seems to be that indigenous biodiversity is they pick and choose when they're going to map certain areas, and otherwise, I mean, we just follow the money, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Hypocrisy yep. knows no no bounds, does it? And, uh, you know, that's the problem. Uh, did the farm, uh, I think it was called Coneburn, if I'm not mistaken, um, is it now planted in trees totally or what What did happen there in the end? Uh, so the, they're spraying it, spraying the dots. It's sprayed with dots all over it at the moment. Um, they've sprayed uh, right up to my boundary fence and almost underneath it. So um, I'm yet to have that conversation with the contractor but um yeah it's it's going in trees yeah so so the double standards uh that jasper's just highlighted for me come down to um the sanctity of the property right and you know if we're going to have uh rules and regulations um that are just too oppressive uh and too restrictive you know what's the upshot you just have to break the rules don't you that's the problem yeah, yeah. I've, I've, always, I've always been taught that that uh, rules are made to be broken, but yeah. Well, if you if you can't, it's a bit like the um, grazing rules in the south. And if you can't abide by them, um, people with a with a clipboard and a pen um, need to be told they're just not workable. And that's that was a mantra of the groundswell uh, uh, regime is to um, get rid of unworkable regulations, and I would and just say no and. I think you'd be um, still on the same side as Groundswell, even though you've moved on. I don't think you bear any malice to uh, to, to Groundswell. They're doing a good job. But as you said, um, changes are coming and society doesn't seem to want to talk about them. In fact, those of us that do are conspiracy theorists. Uh, but funnily, all the stuff we know about is written and documented and being in play, but we're conspiracy theorists. Um, how do how do you think we can get the the unsubtle message across? Because the emphasis that I'm putting on it is um, more than most would do. Most mm. people pretend it's not happening and they just bury it along at the ground level. Bringing it out and seeing the cold hard light of day is going to take a few people to stand up uh, in the farming fraternity. Do you think it's going to happen anytime soon? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not putting my hopes on it. Um, to be honest, um, these people in these positions, um, they they don't seem to be accountable for their actions. Um, they they, yeah, it's almost like you you move in there and you get institutionalized and you can't speak out against it. Would that be would that be a fair comment? I I don't know what happens to be honest because when these guys are told this stuff they just completely glaze over um i turned myself into the local conspiracy theorist at a beef and lamb meeting in gore when i um when i basically let andrew morrison know that this could be coming from some sort of global agenda um and he he pretty much just yeah called me a <laughs> conspiracy theorist and said if, if people choose to believe in these conspiracy theories that's that's up to them but the problem is that the conspiracy theories 
are making so much more sense than the bullshit that has been been being pushed on our ag sector. Um, we we learned all of the stuff in fifth form science, um, especially around around greenhouse gas emissions. I'm talking here, um, like none of this stuff makes logical sense. Um, but yet they're still trying to push it at us, and it's it's laughable, really. I just, yeah, I just honestly, I've got to the point where, yeah. I don't know. I probably shouldn't say are oh, these guys stupid, but how, how can they not see it? Um, it's it's really frustrating when you're sitting there. I've I've come from a frustrated farmer um, who wanted to join Groundswell to to fight these unworkable regulations. Um, then I realised because it's so easy to see through that that it's more than just unworkable regulations. There's actually a narrative being pushed, and um, but yet but yet they still can't see it. It's it's. It's frustrating, and I really, to be honest, Don, I don't know how we move forward from here. Um, yeah, um, our whole governmental system is broken. Um, it's not serving the people of New Zealand, and and what would we do as farmers, or what would we do in the private sector if our business wasn't working because of a broken system? Would we leave it broken, and would we watch our business fail, or would we go, hey, shit, let's let's find a system that works? Let's find a system that works for our business. So let's find a system that works for the people of New Zealand. Because I sure as hell um, don't want to sit here and watch my children um, be brought up in a in a country that is going backwards at the rate of knots that this country currently is. Um, we're we're passing a huge debt on to them, and um, yeah, it's just it's like yeah, I'm probably going on about this a bit much, but it's it's like. Um, I, I, I always bring this back to running a business. And if you're running a business, running a farm, you've got to look after your good stock. You've got to make sure they perform. And if they perform, you can look after your poor ones. Mm. Oof, that was probably a really bad choice of words. I think we should cut that. <laughs> but um, um, if you're running a business or a farm, should I repeat that? Like, no, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. And it, 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 it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. That farm next door to you at Baimumu, that uh, Inca, I think uh, that's the name of the company that's a partner of IKEA bought it. They have proceeded from that point. They bought over a dozen properties across New Zealand, but there is three pretty much next door to me, uh, five kilometers as a crow flies, three of them just around to a tapri. Really? And then we have people who are so greenwashed that they walk into IKEA and they think they are buying something sustainable. And yet, here is IKEA greenwashing us, destroying rural livelihoods, talking of sustainable employment and sus sustainable uh, future for mankind and all of those good practices. And what we are seeing is the exact opposite. And just like you, I, I can't sit back and watch this, neither can Dawn. And that's why we've all uh, been talking about this. Logan, do you see others around you now? You know, the last two years of COVID madness are sort of sort of trying to, I think, hopefully they'll be over soon. The way going by the advertisements I'm still seeing on TV and radio, they're probably not going to back off that fast. But do you see others now, now that the COVID hysteria is somewhat fading, beginning to see others beginning to question that, hey, Something is not right here, or do you still seem to be talking to yourself? 
in an echo chamber? What do you think, honestly? I I honestly do believe people are waking up to all of the stuff. I do. Um, mm. Sometimes you wonder, um, but honestly, the so the response in Gore the other day when um, the council tried to oust their um, our elected mayor um, Ben Bell um, to see that response from Gore to see three or four hundred people turn up and and say no, not on our watch. This isn't going to happen. Um, and whether the council felt that or not, I, I don't know, but um, I have never seen the people of Gore turn up like that in the past. And, um, yeah, no, they are waking up, and, and just everyone's at a different point of realisation. And, yeah, everyone's on their journey, and um, and yeah. just because you're not as advanced as the next person doesn't mean you're not on the on the right journey and yeah i believe they'll get there but it, it's a lot to get your head around it is to 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 get to the point where you you can understand you know you can fathom that these people could be doing these things definitely yeah it's mm. it is a lot to get your head around yeah listeners we're talking to logan evans from um well he's from the hokanui hills really and He'd be one of the most authentic Southlanders you can ever come across and speaks from the heart. And, you know, what we're listening to here is, uh, you know, a lot of us have had some um, awkward moments in the last two or three years with our, with our colleagues and our neighbours. And you sort of wonder uh, when reality is going to sort of come back to, to earth for us all. Um and I think, Logan, you're expressing a view that it is on its way. We are starting to uh, mend the bridges, perhaps. Um, is that a fair comment? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Yep. for sure. And, yeah, as you just said, Don, um, you know, the last – I had the census people turn up here the other day, um, and um, yeah, I had to explain to them what the last couple of years has been like for my family and, um, you know, the fact – you know, the fact that some family members and you know, they they strongly disagree with it. And and it's um it's really hard. You know, we used to spend a lot of time with um these people and, and now you you don't feel welcome. Oh, yeah, it's it's tough. But no, we are on the right side of it. But um I suppose something I don't know if you guys are happy if I move into this now, but um I talked before about broken systems and, you know, I, I see us now, we're at the stage where we're coming up to one of the um, most important elections probably in the history of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've spent a lot of time um, thinking about how, how we can sort this as a country and the, the issue is um, so many of these political parties, um, no matter which one you back, it's like a horse race. Um, but they've all got common ownership. Um, so a lot of these political parties in behind the scenes have got similar ownership or similar um, people behind the scenes. Um, so we're, we're working in a system that's broken, and how do we as a country succeed when we're working in that bro- broken system? We we can't. Um, so one of one of the people I've been fortunate enough to meet, um, and it was probably through my involvement with Groundswell, um, was Christopher Wingate. Um, I believe you have heard of him, Don. I don't know how much um, you've had to do with yeah. him. Yeah, no, nothing really at this point, but I do know of him. 
Yep. Um, so, so myself and Chris had similar views of what's happening in in New Zealand. Um, he said to me, "I'm going to start a political party," and I said, "Oh, geez, Chris, I think you're nuts." Um, but you go ahead, and I'll do my FU thing with my FU mates, and we'll catch up. But he came back to me a few months later and said, "I've um, I've sorted it. We don't need a political party. We just need." A project, and he's called it the Fourth Hand Project. Um, so, what the Fourth Hand Project talks about is creating leadership accountability law. So, if you know, if I ask anyone in the country, should the leaders of our country be accountable for their actions? They they would say yes. The leaders should be accountable for their actions. But how do we do that? We can't. We have no way to hold these leaders accountable for their actions. Um, so. I'm not really, I'm not the brains behind this. Um, I've just been, I suppose, the test case that Chris rings up and says, hey, Logan, I've come up with this. What do you reckon? Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, he's talking about creating a, uh, yeah, another court um, that if the leaders of the country, if somebody believes they're not acting in the best interests of the people, they get pulled into this court. Um, it's trial by jury. And if you're found to not be serving the people of New Zealand, um, you're not you're not in trouble with the law. You just have to stand down from your – well, sorry, you get 30 days to fix that problem for a start. And if that doesn't happen, um, you are asked to stand down from your job. So that's it. So if you were the mayor of Gore and you were not – or the, perhaps the CEO and you were not serving the people of Gore, um, you would then be asked to stand down from your job. And if you will not do that, then you're in contempt of court and then you get pulled into the legal system. But I think um, I I honestly don't believe that our country has a future unless we can move into something like direct democracy or or bring something like this in. And I just, it would be really interesting to hear what people think of of Chris Christopher Wingate and his, um, and his idea, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, you know, I think what I heard you say early in, the, in that piece was that uh, the system's broken. Uh, as yes, minister like in Wellington, doesn't matter who the political party is in power, the same bureaucrats pull all the strings, etc. And that's probably right. Uh, in fact, it is right. Uh, I just I, I've watched people move left and right, and they're still in senior positions. Uh, in fact, and even in more senior positions uh, since I was there. So. The issue would be how do you change and get enough uh, people to agree? Uh, right now, and we've talked about this on the show, people are comfortably numb. Um, they need to, to, the big wake-up call. What will it be? We think it's probably going to have to be a recession. recession. But, um, you know, we took, spoke to Professor Ian Plymer, um last week. He talked about a recession or a war could pull this, pull this into line. I'm... You know, I think it's even bigger than that. It's about the reality check that we talk about in this show. We all need a dose of reality in this country. We hassle farming as you've, I mean, you've alluded to it tonight. Farmers wake up in the morning and you read the media and there's still someone else having a go at you. But there is not much else in New Zealand paying the bills. Uh, I know that sounds arrogant, but there isn't much else. So farmers do have to just get out of bed and say, hell no, um, H-O, and perhaps hell, H-O-W-L, no. Uh, and, and as Groundswell did, just say, just say no. 
uh, to more and more stuff. It doesn't fix the political problem. So this is a big statement. doesn't fix the political um, system. We've got the Westminster system in New Zealand. I think you'd have a massive battle trying to break it. Um, but we've got to do something because you're right. We're in a bind. And, you know, you look at these polls that come out and you don't know whether they're biased, whether they're true. Uh, or who's doing them, because um, they seem to be trying to nudge in a certain direction all the time. And I've got a view that political polls shouldn't be allowed in the last six months prior to an election. They just shouldn't, because they do uh, play games with people's minds. Mm. I don't know. There's a big, it's, it's a big story, um, Logan, and you've you've done well to sort of broach the subject, because it's not easy to do. And Don, you've said in the past that there's, I think in those, in those exact words, that there's hardly a tissue paper between national and labor right now in terms of policy. So that's the obvious quandary. You you go from, uh, do we go out of the frying pan into the fire? Where are we heading? I, I think there was a couple more tissue papers put in last week with the budget, <laughs> but yeah, still still not a big big chunk of them. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, we'll see how it plays out. And um, really, Logan, I, all power to your arm. I know, as I said, you're the voice of authenticity. There's a few of you around the Gore area that speak out and and have your say. And it's about being brave enough to say it. That's the key. Um, never feel that you're uh, not good enough and you know i take my hat off to you logan um and your family the way you stand tall on issues that you believe in i wish more and more people would do it so you know i know half an hour has gone very quickly but we may have you back on in the future but in the meantime enjoy the rest of winter <laughs> in the south i hope you um get a bit of time to yourselves over the winter and uh, uh we'll catch you back here some other time in the future thanks logan and I think thanks very much for having me, guys. It's been Thank great. you so much, Logan. And as Don said, I can just reiterate, you have my complete respect, especially as one of the voices, uh, male voices during the parliamentary protests and other things. They were, it was very hard to do that, but uh, you were there staunch, uh, as were quite a few other Southern men. So thank you. And thank you for coming on today. I don't know, no worries. We've got a pretty, um, pretty strong, we, you know, group down here and it's, it's great to, you know, We've made some long lifelong friends and mm. even the, the two of you, it's just it's been brilliant to get to know you. And um yep. It's although, you know, what what do they say? Um, you know, out of out of hard times, I don't know what they say, but you know what I mean. Yep, yep. It but has a silver lining, doesn't way. it? Yes. Yes, that's what yes. I'm trying to say. <laughs> Thank you so good. much. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Jasprit Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio.